Hey everybody, welcome to Swedenborg Live. My name is Curtis Childs and I'll be your host for today. Uh, Eric, thanks for asking. No, I have never played a baritone acoustic guitar. I swore I would never play one. No, I'm just kidding. I just never had the opportunity. Thanks everyone for joining us. We're going to talk about love and wisdom and, and the point of life and examine all things through the lens of heaven, which should be a lot of fun. And here to do it with me is an awesome panel of people. First up, we have Cara Dom. Cara, how are you today? I'm doing great, Curtis. It was a beautiful day here on the eastern coast of the U.S. and uh, feeling good. Awesome. Well, we're so glad to have you and your Latin and spiritual expertise alongside us. Also joining us, we have Chelsea. Chelsea, how are you? Hey, I am good and I'm glad to be here. I got to go away for this last weekend to somewhere with no cell service. So I was just like off the grid and in the woods. And so I'm, I'm refreshed and rejuvenated now. <laughs> <laughs> I was in no cell service too today, but it was just like my phone wasn't working for some reason. <laughs> trying to look up this status of an order anyway. Nobody needs to hear this. Great to have you here, Chelsea. Um, <laughs> Jonathan is with us. Dr. Jonathan Rose, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well, Curtis. I had a great day of uh, editing. Uh, where I was able to go at 66 pages an hour, which was something of a record um, <laughs> reading over our latest volume coming out. So that felt incredible. And then in the afternoon, it was actually relentless rain where I am, only 180 miles from where Cara is. And uh, my wife and I went out and weeded the garden in the rain for about an hour. It was really kind of fun. Well, just not not everyone has to be productive every day, you know. So Jonathan took the day off here pretty much. <laughs> uh, and then rounding it off, we have Karen Childs. Karen, how are you? Hi, I'm doing well. It's been very hot here in the Midwest for a few days, but I got my air conditioning on and I was digging into the meaning of some Psalms today for uh, some future shows, Psalm 91, Psalm 27. So looking forward to learning more about those. Excellent. Okay, everybody. Hey, before we begin, would you like to hang out with us? Like all of those wonderful people that you just heard, we are doing something coming up called the Off the Left Eye Experience, where it's going to be this community-driven present weekend workshop presentation. We've never done this before. You can go to offtheleftei.com slash O-T-L-E 2021 to check it out more. We're going to be talking about doing this immersive weekend on how to be on becoming an angel. How would you not want to do that? So check that out. Get your questions in the chat. This show is done with live questions. Just write them in there. Our friendly moderator will grab them and deliver them to us, and we'll all try to process them in real time. Also, thought brings presence. What we like to do is have people, since this show in a lot of ways is about the reality of the other world and the, the, the afterlife, is there someone you're thinking of who's crossed over? We want to honor the, the fact that they are here with us in, in a lot of ways. So write the name of somebody that you're thinking of on the other side and, and any little notes you want to about them, get it in at the end of the show. We'll just have a little moment honoring all those that were all of our friends who are still with us uh, on the other side. Okay, let's get ready to answer questions. As we get in the mood, I wanna say, this whole thing couldn't happen without you. That We are not for profit, that we offer everything we possibly can for free. So the way that we make this work is through donations. So if you feel like you're willing, you're willing to support us, go to offtheleftei.com slash donate, and you can contribute to uh, making this possible and making it spread to the next person. We have a funding goal today. 
of $101. So if we raise $101 during this show, as you can see in this little handy sidebar, we will attack onto the end of the program a bonus 15 minutes of Swedenborg-based games where you will see us struggle and ponder things in a fun format, but also you'll learn some great theology there as well. So make your donations, see if we can get up to that goal. Okay, to get us all in a spiritual mood to answer these questions, I'm going to read a little quote that's Divine Providence 101, uh, which is what inspired our giving goal today. 101, this is what you've got to know. So it says, in the spiritual world where we all arrive after death, no one asks what our faith has been or what our beliefs have been, only what our life has been. They know that the quality of our faith and the quality of our beliefs depend on the quality of our life because life constructs a belief system for itself and constructs a faith for itself. So, it's, so all of that stuff hangs off of how we live. Let's be keeping how we live in mind as we go through our questions today. And by the way, that, uh, that very quote, if you want to hear more about it, we featured it on the, our episode of the, off the Inside Off the Left Eye podcast that we just debuted yesterday called The Danger of Enjoying Evil and the Gothenburg Heresy Trial. Lots of resources for you to check out, but don't check them out right now. we got to do the Q&A thing. So let's get to our very first question. This is from Colin Vickers, who asks, the Navajo Dine say there are four unseen spiritual senses that can guide us spiritually in the way our natural senses guide us naturally. Would Swedenborg agree? If so, what are those four unseen senses? Okay, that's a great, hey, we're wondering, is there a common thread to all these different belief systems? Are we all feeling different parts of the elephant as they say? Jonathan, do you wanna start us off? Sure, I agree with that elephant analogy that it does seem like um, a lot of different traditions are pointing at the same kinds of things. What I would say in answer to this is that uh, without knowing what those four specific things are, and um, from the DNA, but the um, uh, Swedenborg doesn't talk about four specifically sorry, as sorry. far as I know. Did you say DNA? DNA. What did I say? Dine? Dine? Very uneducated. Sorry. Go ahead. I, that sounds much I don't. Better. I don't know if that's right. I just no, uh, listened right. to Tony Hillerman audiobooks, you know, but... Uh, he does great uh, murder mysteries in the desert Southwest. So he's always talking about the DNA, but um, Swedenborg doesn't talk about four in specific uh, as far as I know, but he talks about this word perception and perception is a really huge word to him. And I'm not sure I can do justice to what he says about it. Um, but it was something that was active in the earliest people on this planet and it is uh, ultimately, he breaks it down to just having a, a sense, an intuition about whether something is good or not, which is actually pretty cool to be able to tell good from evil. You know, we often get confused about that and being able to tell whether something's false or not. Uh, but the nature of it seems to be really amazing where it would bring you into all kinds of knowledge where you just kind of intuit things uh, without having to be taught, but you just, Oh, I, I see it. You know, he, he likens it to seeing having your spiritual senses open, like all your spiritual senses. He does talk about your, 
having your spiritual, <laughs> he doesn't use this language, but having your spiritual nose open. Um, uh, you know, he talks about being able to smell things in the spiritual world. So all the same senses that we have in the body are there in the other world and, and some more on top, but he doesn't give specific numbers about it. So that's, that's thoughts that come to mind. Nice. Interesting. Well, I don't know either what those four senses are, but when I think about this question, it makes me think, generally speaking, like the whole nature of correspondences is what Swedenborg talks about. So if there's a way that our natural senses are doing anything, that's corresponding to the way spiritual senses are doing something. So there's definitely a one-to-one, no matter what senses you're talking about, because there's going to be a correspondence going on or else we wouldn't have the physical senses exactly. And as far as the four, so this kind of, sometimes I go into, you know, what I uh, sort of yoga philosophy, which I find just goes really great with uh, Swedenborg theology and, and with the, the Dine, the Navajo tradition, talking about these four senses, it's like, I know that they generally, again, I don't know specifically what they are, but sort of like the four directions you th- or like the four parts of the day, you know, morning, midday, evening, night. Um, and there's just such a similar cycle that is reflected in, in yoga philosophy, which talks about sort of like the inherent nature of the way that life works, like our changes of state is we're always going through sort of a morning and then a day, you know, midday and then twilight and, you know, darkness or the unknown, you know, like the the subconscious or something and, and sort of tuning into that those are all a part of our experience and our spiritual growth, like there's sort of wisdom to be gained from from contemplating how they all have a place in our experience. And so anyway, that, that again is just something to think about in terms of correspondences. Like we're living in this cycle every day of day and night. And, um, and so learning to sort of honor all parts of, of what we experience that it's, that it all belongs, you know, is maybe one way to think about it. That's cool. Um, I have to admit, I had to duck out for a second when Jonathan was talking, so I missed the first part of his thing. But I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking about. Did you talk about Jonathan? How sight is like is corresponds to our understanding. Smell corresponds to obedience, taste, uh, taste, and um, I mean hearing. Sorry, hearing corresponds to obedience. Taste and smell, I'm not sure what they're doing. But if if you think of them as how they serve our spirit, uh, understanding, obedience, like taking something in and doing what we're told, um, you could look at it that way. I guess that might be a parallel. Absolutely. And when, when you mentioned sight corresponding to understanding, he actually, it, I'm just looking at what, what Colin said, that they, these, spirit, these senses guide us spiritually the way our natural senses guide us naturally. If I'm thinking about natural sight, it is what's guiding me through a room. It's guiding me through the questions here because I can look at them. And he gives this correspondence with understanding. And in some places says that it's really literal that your understanding works like sight. That you, when we say think of something that you think you're just formulating things, but actually your spiritual sight is looking at spiritual objects. And that's what creates thoughts in your mind. So the, in, in that way, if I'm trying to think my way through something, 
that what helps make a decision. It really is my spiritual sight guiding me, just like he's saying here. So there's probably the more we knew about these Navajo senses and the more that we knew about what sweet boy really means, the more they would converge because it just seems like things end up like that. So great. Thank you so much, Colin. Uh, oh, Karen, do you want to add a thought? Yeah, just that enlightenment, the idea of enlightenment, like having a greater understanding open up, that is spiritual sight. Like, and Swedenborg says, you're actually like your spiritual eyes are actually seeing in the light of this spiritual sun. So it's very real. And yeah, just uh, so these, they, we do have spiritual senses that actually do guide our, our spirits along. Excellent. Well, thanks so much, everybody, for, for those awesome insights into it. Let's go to our next question. Before we do, look at this poor, sad little thermometer here. We are 0% of the way to our goal. We're, and we're almost a quarter away through the hour. So if you would be willing, off the leftcom slash donate. This is how we continue to make stuff like this as a not-for-profit. Thanks to everyone who has supported it. We're actually going to be giving out gifts to those of you, raffling off things to those of you who have supported us this month halfway through so we're saying thank you there and we're saying feel free to chip in if you want to help make this happen and be entered in the next raffle okay the next question is juan orozco who asks what is the meaning of moses's burning bush is this story literal too or merely correspondential hey got a couple of questions in there for those who've never heard of it swedenborg does talk about all the biblical stories being written in this language of correspondences that we were just referencing in, in regard to the correspondence of the senses so that they're symbolic. But he says some of them actually, some of the biblical stories actually happened as well. Which one of this and what's it trying to tell us? Karin, would you like to lead on this one? Yeah, from what I understand, um, Swedenborg learned that the, the very first chapters in the book of Genesis are pure allegory. But once it gets started with the stories of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and beyond that, that uh, Swedenborg um, says that they do have a historical basis, like there were these characters that actually lived on earth and went through these events. And yet still the way the uh, stories are written down still hold allegorical meaning that are about uh, all of our lives, our spiritual journey, and also the uh, this inner journey of Jesus Christ as he was going through his process in this world. And the, the story of the burning bush, um, Swedenborg learned that, that that burning bush, a bush, just like uh, any plant, plants represent uh, factual knowledge, factual knowledges of various kinds or earthly level knowledge. And so uh, a flame burning in the middle of a bush <laughs> means divine love there within factual knowledge. And when um, when Moses in the story noticed that bush burning uh, and, and the bush wasn't being burned up, that, that means a, a recognition that in this factual knowledge that we are learning or that Jesus was learning, you know, the, the story is about both. Um, there is divine love in there. If it's true factual knowledge, there's divine love within it, you know, activating it. And that can be factual knowledge of the uh, literal sense of the Bible or just factual knowledge about things that go on in the world within there, there is divine love or else it wouldn't be true at all. You know, anything in science or anything in the Bible and the fact that it was not consuming the bush has to do with that. Um, and this is probably about uh, Jesus's 
realizations as he was learning and our realizations that that doesn't, the fact that there's divine love in there doesn't um, dissipate these facts that are on the outer level. Um, it's, you know, it all, it, it, it all can go together. Um, there, there's a sense in which divine love is so far above anything to do with the earthly level that like the two would have a hard time mixing, but um, with the process that Jesus went through, he was bringing the two together and opening up that the word, you know, the, the literal sense of the Bible actually has this divine love in it. Um, everything we can learn about the world around us actually has this uh, divine love powering it from deep within. So that, that burning bush was about that. It was just about the realization um, that, that, that is, that, that is true. And the, the Israelites, he, Moses was going to go lead the Israelites to Mount Sinai and get these laws given. But within those laws, no matter how they seem on the outside, if they seem a little stern or whatever, powering that within is divine love. And that was also like there was, there was flaming up there on Mount Sinai. That's that deep uh, divine love. So that's what it had to do with. And, and so that's the meaning. And there uh, according to Swedenborg, yes, these divine miracles also did physically happen. The ones that were uh, described in the Bible, because the power of correspondences actually could create miracles at, at that time. <laughs> and uh, we have a we have a show called uh, "How Did Jesus Do His Healing Miracles?" that goes into that, like the the role of miracles and and why not so many happen today in the same way as in Bible times. But so check that out if you want to learn more about that. Great. I was hoping for a, like a thorough answer, but we'll take that. <laughs> no, that was, that was so great. And I want to kick it to, to Jonathan in a second, but I just want to say for anyone who's watching, what a great example of what correspondences can do right there or, or how correspondences are used as a teaching tool, because here you have these things that we all understand. We all understand bush. We all understand fire. We all understand that a bush can be on fire. But because it's like what you know, but it's different, the differences pop out. Like this, oh, this bush can be on fire, but it's not consumed. Can you imagine? It's like saying to us, can you imagine that? That thing different? Now, it's because I'm teaching you about something you can't just know physically. Um, I just find that so powerful. Of course, we can give us these building blocks to things we experience in life, but then you can through using those differently in stories, you can teach us things that we couldn't learn otherwise. Like my wife re recently had a dream where there was hippopotamuses, hippopotami, I mean, that could fly up and then just like go way down and go under the water. And who knows what it means, but it's like we're, the, if the dream maker is saying, look, here's something and now I'm going to subvert your expectations. You know, there's something about like teaching in that. So Anyway, Jonathan, yeah, what, what's on your mind? Well, I, I love that answer, both of those answers. And um, uh, one of the things that Swedenborg says about scriptural imagery is that it's not just arbitrary or um, just sort of a one shot. Well, in that story, this means this. But that actually, when you think about it, there are a few different I'm thinking about the crown of thorns at Jesus' crucifixion. You know, why thorns? Uh, and and uh, there was that ram that was sacrificed in place of Isaac in the Old Testament, and the ram got it had its horns caught in the thicket of these 
thorn bushes, you know, what is going on? So Swedenborg talks about that where those things uh, ha have this, there's a stability of meaning across these different images in the Bible, which is so cool. Uh, it's just amazing. I don't know anybody else who says anything quite like that. And um, so I was thinking about that image uh, as Karn was laying it out there that um, uh, the thought of, I think this is part of the whole project is for the divine to be present without cooking us, you know, without boiling us away. And so this miracle, which on the face of it just looks like Moses goes, oh, that's weird. You know, so Moses' original reaction is just like, weird, it's on fire, but it doesn't, uh, but it, like, it seems unharmed by being on fire. You know, what's that about? But um, so much that Swedenborg says is about how the divine can be present on this outermost level, that thorniest sort of outermost level, without cooking it, without destroying it, preserving it as it is. Like there's a value to these thorns. There's a value to this bush out here in the desert. And uh, I can be present with this divine love and this wisdom without uh, destroying that outermost level. And a lot about what Jesus was doing, you know, God being born into this world was about that, was being able to be present and have that love and wisdom present without, you know, vaporizing everything and, and uh, being able to safely address things that are going on with us. So anyway, that was a little inspiration that I got from what uh, Karin and you were saying, Curtis. Wonderful. Cool. Thank you for, for that welcome addition. And thanks everybody for, for building that out uh, in my mind. Um, so, Karen, did you want to? Oh, did you want to, to cap off the thought? This one more interesting tidbit is um, in the story. Moses is told to take his sandals off to approach the bush because it says it's you're on holy ground, and that symbolizes um, Jesus or us when we're trying to understand or delve into the fact that the divine love is present in factual knowledge. We do have to not think from our earthly senses, like just think sensually, which that means taking off the sandals. We have to be willing to think deeper than that. And so I thought that was an interesting extra tidbit. <laughs> awesome. Okay. I want to say before we go to our next question, um, Chelsea, you had a, f a further insight into our, um, the previous question from, from Juan or no, from no, the first question, right? From Colin? Absolutely. Major throwback here. But <laughs> I swear I've been listening to other people have been saying I've just still had that question rolling in my mind. And I had this thought because uh, I really was wondering like, okay, well, we think of there being five senses. But clearly, the Navajo are talking in terms of four senses. And, and I know that there's that emphasis on the four directions, you know, like everything kind of lines up. And, and so I was wondering, like, how do you put those two together? And I was just thinking like, oh, you know, the if you take, you know, smell and taste are so connected, you know, like they really are. So if you sort of take that as one sense, you know, you're smelling and tasting something at the same time as that perception, then I wonder if those four senses, you know, touch being another one could line up with those, you know, parts of the day and states that I was talking about. And I was just thinking like, well, what would that order be? Maybe you have like sight is the first thing that happens. And that's like the dawn, you know, like your eyes are awake. But then what you learn, you have to listen to it. And if you become like obedient, you know, like you're listening, that's maybe like the 
the height, the day, you know, you're doing what you've learned. And then the evening is like, you know, the harvest. So that's like tasting and smelling it. You're really, you know, adopting it into yourself when you're living according to what you've learned. And then sort of the night connecting with touch or something is sort of then it's really becoming something. It's like no longer a matter of thought. You're like, you really have it in you that it's like, you know, through the night or something. And then, and then the cycle begins again, if you're, you know, for the next round of truth that you're being brought into enlightenment about, you know, the dawn happens again. And it's this cycle of, of learning and growing and imbibing, you know, wisdom and love from the Lord. So it's just like, Oh, that'd be, that's cool. <laughs> no well, idea if I just made that up or if it lines up with anything, but well, we, you know, we make the rules. No, but that, that's awesome to, to get that further tying in with the way things work. I mean, that's the nature of correspondences. So thank you so much for that insight. Um, okay. So before when I was, so before when I was saying, Hey, nobody's really donated, I was so wrong. We, we just actually were getting so many donations that it overwhelmed our system. And, and, and so now you'll see that suddenly this is brand new, full brandy full. So I'm going to read, um, all these thank yous that we have to give here. So first we had Juan make a donation and he said, bless you all to us. Thank you so much. Um, Justine made a contribution. Thank you, Justine. Yay. I keep getting new messages. All right. So <laughs> Bogdan, Bogdan made a donation. Thank you. We appreciate it. Also, thank you to Rosemary who made a contribution, Ellen, Shelly, Byron. They're, they're clapping in the back. I don't know if you can only see me, but everyone's clapping here. Thank you so much. Stephanie and Keith. And so, and Keith said, after the loss of my wife, I found off the left eye. All of you at off the left eye have helped me in so many ways. And I want to say thank you. Aww. We love you, Keith. Wow. We love all of you. Sally yeah. made a contribution. Thank you, Sally. Uh, Margaret made a contribution. <laughs> Carrie made a contribution. <laughs> Regina. Thank you, Regina. Thank you, Janet, who made one in memory of Scott. <laughs> we had Hope make a contribution. And Mark make a contribution. And then we had an anonymous contribution to round it out. So wow, wow, <laughs> thank wow! Thank you, thank you. Wow, overwhelming. Yeah, so we're just a little over our goal of 101. Looks like we're at 824. So we're wow. going to get your bonus games. Thank you, everyone. Um, this this means a ton to us that that you feel like we are going to be the vessel that helps make something valuable for people. So thank you for doing this with us. All right, let's uh, let's get back to the questions. We got to do that. Yeah. Okay, the next question is from Pearly B. God's Child, who asks, God is real, and I do believe that heaven is real, but why haven't I seen or felt my daughter's presence? She passed believing in Jesus also. Mm. And so I think as we mentioned, you know, some of the core videos that we've ever produced and released um have to do with this topic so it's it gets right at the at the heart um for me and many other people so jonathan do you want to start us off here 
Sure. Uh, the first thought is that um, there are pretty strict rules about the interaction between the two worlds. Uh, I was interested to find another passage about this recently, where Swedenborg talked about that they're the they're only allowed to say a few words to us, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it's just strictly regulated. It's not that it's impossible, but it's not kind of a conversational free-for-all type of setting. Uh, the other thought that came to me just now uh, is that I, I'm willing to bet that she is so close to you that the distance is indistinguishable. You know, you can't tell her presence from your own spirit because she's so close to you that you can't even tell. It's not just you in in, in your mind and your feelings and thoughts. So um, that's that's a merciful thought. Anyway, I, I hope that's true. Anybody else? Beautiful, Jonathan. Uh, yeah, I just want to say that my heart goes out to Pearly B, um, feeling like I, I just that loss and that missing must be so intense. And um, I knew Jonathan would say something about the strict regulations. So that was good. Um, But I also want to say some people do seem to get little messages that they're aware of that seem like a clear message, but it's not any kind of statement on your spiritual state or her spiritual state. um, If you're not getting those messages, you know, the love between you is alive. It's still alive. It's in your heart. It's in her heart. Um, and the fact that you're not hearing from her is not a statement that anything about, about her, where she is on her journey or you on your journey, you're both in God's hands. She's being well taken care of as are you, as you're making your way through this stage of grief. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. My heart goes out to you. So painful to lose a child that's happened to me. And um, yeah, like, like Cara and Jonathan were saying, um, it doesn't mean you are, have done anything wrong or that she doesn't love you. It's, it's just a difficult thing to communicate between the worlds. And I agree that she's very close to you. And I recommend you um, just stay open to thinking about very subtle things that might come to you because I, I found that I just um, made an effort to try to notice um, a feeling that would come to me that would, like Jonathan said, might feel like your own feeling. But if it's about something that you and your daughter both care about, if you're touched by something, I believe she's there with you in that feeling. A memory comes to you or a thought comes to you that has something to do with her or something the two of you share or care about. I believe she's in that thought that um, people in the afterlife dwell with us in thoughts and feelings that we have going on in us. So I'm, I'll bet you have been sensing her in some ways, but it's hard to notice when you're so craving that more obvious, um, those more obvious signs. But if you, if you can um, just open to those, much more subtle things. You may start noticing some, some things that you can allow yourself to believe that's your daughter. Thank you, Karen. Really appreciate it. Yeah, as, as was being mentioned in the chat, we have a, a half an hour video called Why Don't Those Who Have Died Communicate With Us More, uh, which where, where Jonathan and I go in depth on this question as well. And 
yeah, thank you everyone for for your sharing on that, and and thank you, Pearly B, for being willing to to bring something so personal forward um, with us. Thank you. Um, we are going to go to the next thing. Before we do, I want to say thank you to to three more people. We had Jonathan. Thank you, Jonathan. Maria. Thank you, Maria. And Lucas. Yeah, so bringing our total to 924. Thanks so much, everyone. Uh, yeah, and so to say thank you like we mean it, we're going to give away stuff. It's time for the, what's what's the word? It's not annual, but if it's every month, the monthly, it doesn't sound as fancy as annual, the monthly off the left eye donor raffle giveaway. Bum, 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 bum. So what we are going to do is give away three fabulous prizes to three lucky donors. Uh, and we have three categories that we're going to raffle off here. We're going to do our all donor raffle. So anybody who's contributed, uh, our new donor and our recurring donor. So first of all, let's take a look at all of the people. I think we have a graphic of all the people who have donated this month. Yes. So we want to honor all of you. Um, pause the screen and, uh, and check it out because of the people on this wall, we can keep doing what we do. And, and because of the people here, the, all the other people who found Swedenborg's ideas and got helped by them, we're, we're able to do it. So thank you so much to our off the left eye May donors. So the first donor raffle we're giving away to one of the people on those lists selected at random. Uh, okay. What, what, what's our, what's our prize uh, for today? Do we have a picture of it? Yeah, there we go. The all donor raffle winner was Harold Thompson. Yay! His choice of either the Heaven and Hell uh, paperback NCE edition or the Heaven and Hell audiobook, both excellent prizes. So thank you, Harold Thompson. Now it's time for our new donor raffle. So if this month was the first time you ever gave to us, you're entered in this raffle. And the winner of that was or is Stephanie Ransom. So you get your choice of divine love and wisdom, audio, and excellent. As I said before, last month, I'm still listening to divine love and wisdom audio book myself right now. And finally, our recurring donor raffle. If you set it up so that you are giving on a monthly basis, which helps gives us stability and, and the ability to know sort of where we're going to be and, and plan accordingly to be effective, you're entered into this next raffle. The winner of this raffle is and will always be Charles Cole, who gets a, a choice again, Divine Love and Wisdom or Divine Love and Wisdom audiobook. Thank you so much, everybody. Who's Thank contributed. you, everybody. <laughs> everybody. We appreciate it so much. Yeah. And we're technically, today we've raised $1,124. So this is a record, a huge record set for us. So thank you so much. And uh, let's do some more questions. Yeah. Okay. Next question is, this is from uh, Matthew Bush who asks, in our Arcana Celestia 6970, Swedenborg states, the good in happiness to eternity, the evil in unhappiness. Is unhappiness evil? Uh, okay, let's let's turn it over to our expert in unhappiness. Karin, do you want to? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I did open up that number on my computer screen and it's a number about, Swedenborg is explaining the difference between He's saying, what, what is faith? It's not believing in just earthly facts. It's 
believing in uh, things that, that are spiritual, having to do with spiritual life. Like, and then he just gives a, a list of like, believing that there's a heaven, that there's a hell, that people will live after death, the good in a state of happiness forever, the wicked in a state of unhappiness, that life awaits everyone, etc. So he's just giving a list of uh, examples of the kinds of things that you can believe or not believe about spiritual life. And no, it doesn't mean at all that unhappiness is evil. What I believe him to be saying is that heaven is a state of of happiness because it's a state of uh, having opened your heart to God and love to the neighbor. And that just produces happiness. It just produces a a satisfied kind of life that um, you, you have been helped by the Lord to just want good things. And so you have what you, what you want, what you desire, and you can give to others and they give to you and there's uh, blessings being shared. It's just a state of happiness. He's not saying that unhappiness is evil because in this world, we experience lots of unhappiness for reasons that are not evil, you know, just as a result of this world is, uh, is full of troubles and struggles and things. So he's not saying that unhappiness is evil. What he's saying is that um, choosing a life of hell will lead to unhappiness because it's always going to have these restrictions and frustrations. Um, God provides as much happiness as is possible in hell. But the thing is, when you want to act out your desire to hurt other people or take advantage of other people, that's not going to be allowed, you know, innocent people. So that will be stopped and thwarted. And therefore, you won't be happy (laughs) because you wanted to do that thing. So he's not saying unhappiness is evil. He's saying evil in the afterlife leads to unhappiness because it's going to have that kind of frustration. Nice. Yeah. Um, that's great. And I was, uh, what the, what this was bringing to mind for me was thinking about it in terms of, um, I mean, certainly I agree. Unhappiness in itself is not like evil, like, Oh, that's a sin that you're unhappy or something. Like, I think that's sort of the potential, you know, uh, mistake of meaning there. But, um, if you think of unhappiness or the experience of evil being when we're, we're in a state of sense of separation from God or from love and wisdom, which is, which is something like Swedenborg throws us around a lot. And I think we really go into it in our show called um, the infinite in you is like Swedenborg is big on saying like, we are nothing but evil all the time. You know, (laughs) like we are just evil top to bottom, left to right. But what he means by that is like, that's our, that's our, that's our state, but not in like a condemnatory way, but in just like a spiritual physics is a term we'll use sometimes, you know, sort of way, because the Lord is what's love itself and wisdom. And so we are vessels for receiving life and love and wisdom from the Lord. So if we don't have that life in us, we experience this thing that you might call evil, but, but what that is, is like, if I'm using that again, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that it's like, oh, you're damned to hell or something. But um, in my states of mind, if I'm experiencing this is very sort of like a Buddhist way to think about it is like unhappiness. You could think of that as suffering, you know, like why is there suffering? It comes from a sense of separateness from the truth. And and you don't even when we go through difficult things in life, we it's not, um, you know, it becomes 
we sort of can become go into a suffering state. And and one line that I love from um, a teacher is, uh, you know, if we're experiencing suffering, there's something we're like there's some untruth that we're believing about ourselves. And so it's like can be a cue to like, what is this sort of false idea that I'm believing that I could maybe be opened up, have an awakening to what is really true, what is the truth and what is loving. Um, and so it's like without almost like without the baggage, I could use that idea of like the evils in unhappiness is just like, yeah, that's like my everyday experience. Like I will go through that experience a lot, you know, several times a day because I get out of touch with that sense of the reality of the Lord's love and, and truth. And, and so it's like, we can dip in and out of those states. Just like Swedenborg says in heaven, the angels still have their sense of self that is able to fall into a sense of, um, you know, kind of being more in its, selfhood and less aware of its connection to God. And so in a relative way that that feels, you know, worse than being in that sort of fully, um, you know, aligned state. And uh, so anyway, it's interesting. It's sort of not like, well, unhappiness is bad, but there's something sort of useful to me, even in thinking about like, yeah, when I'm suffering, it's usually I've gotten caught up in some false idea about the way life is or the way that uh, things really are, even when things are difficult, it doesn't necessarily have to mean that it's, you know, suffering per se, but anyway, those are some rambling thoughts. Yeah. Jonathan. Yeah, so, I, I love it. Well, I, it's cool to tie that to everyday life. Um, and I want to kick it to Jonathan, but first want to say thank you, Jeannie or Jean. Uh, sorry. Uh, we had another donation as you all saw flash across the screen there. So much appreciated. Um, hey, I didn't, what, what, what both of you were saying was making me think about unhappiness and the good side of it, that unhappiness is a, an absolutely essential part of becoming good, that you can't be reformed without what Swedenborg would call temptations or spiritual crises, which are unhappy times, but they're, they're, they're growing pains. It's like, you can't get your teeth without teething. Um, and also happiness well, I think there's a difference between like momentary joy and real happiness that I think that people in hell would, if you said, are you happy? They might say, yeah, there's some, at the end of divine providence, there's a couple of people in hell that come up and talk to Swedenborg and say to him, look, this is so great here. I can't believe you go for that boring heaven stuff. But when you have a like, true perspective, you see that, no, just like that's no real life. It's, it's, you know, a couple moments of, of a rush, but in general, it's, it's just a miserable way to live, but you don't see that if you're not willing to. So I don't think it's, it's, so it's not like people are sitting around permanently unhappy, but you're missing out on, on true happiness. And, and a lot of times as Carl was saying, you are thwarted. So Jonathan, what, what do you think? Yeah. I, I don't know how far this broadcast goes, but for the uh, earthly portion of our audience, I might say that um, there's quite a difference between this being in the material world and being in the spiritual world in terms of how unhappiness goes. It's almost that there's a reversal from, from here to there. I just read Psalm 73 the other day, and it really blew me away because it talked about how very, very comfortable and happy the evil are. Uh, it, it's a great riff <laughs> about all that. And the psalmist is kind of pondering, how does this thing work? I don't get it. You know, they, they seem fine, you know, and I even looked up what Swedenborg said 
in the inner meaning of it. And it means, yeah, the evil feel fine a lot of the time in this world. And, um, and it can be a veil of tears for those who are on a, a spiritual path, you know, kind of suffering and, and, um, and so on. So it, there's not a one-to-one in this world of, um, of unhappiness and, and evil in the other world to a greater extent, but still everybody, the Lord, the whole map of the spiritual world is just like as much happiness as you can stand. And there is that frustration built into evil. And that's why the Lord is against it. Uh, but he'll still love people who are, who are in that state. Um, uh, but uh, so it's as much happiness as you can stand. That's what the Lord gives to, to everybody, even those who are, in hell. So I think he was sort of speaking kind of quickly in that list that Karin broke down there. As much happiness as you can stand. I'll take I'll take it. That doesn't sound so bad. Uh, let's move on to our next question, uh, since we are approaching the end of the hour here. Um, this is from Sheila Montgomery, who asks, did God regret making man in Genesis six through seven? Does that mean he made a mistake? Uh, yeah, like, are we like, how thrilled are you when you're looking down at us here? Karen, what do you think? Well, the stories of Noah, that's in the Noah story. And those are pure allegory for one thing, but also in the Bible um, is written in a way that is reflecting the point of view of us on our spiritual journey. So from the, so when it's talking about God's emotions in the Bible, it is reflecting um, how we earthlings, we we finite human humans will perceive God's emotions during different states that we go through. And in that part of the story, when it uh, says, you know, that humanity turned very evil and it says God was sorry that he had made humankind or regretted, um, that's symbolic talk from appearances And the reality that it is conveying is that um, God grieved at heart uh, because uh, Swedenborg says that means mercy um, because Jehovah God never has regrets. Um, God always has foreseen what's going to happen. And God foresaw the, the path that humanity was going to take. And yet God loves us and still is sad when we're getting ourselves into messes. <laughs> and so that that phrasing, you know, God was sorry he had made humankind or God regretted, it's just s- symbolic talk for um, Jehovah grieved at heart, says Swedenborg in the Secrets of Heaven. Um, so that's, that's what that is really talking about. And I, I think when I think about how in a, just a person-to-person relationship, maybe, um, one person is kind of sad about something that happened and the other person can think, Oh, you wish you never met me or you, you don't, you know, like you regretted that we ever got together or something, but that's not what this person is just like, no, I'm just sad. I'm just sad right now because we have something going on that's sad. So I don't, that's just maybe a very limited example, but I'm just trying to uh, convey that from the human side of things that might, it could seem like God just was like, oh, I'm so sorry I made human beings because look, they just turned so evil. But that's so far from the truth. 
God has loved us every moment of this journey, every single person, and just grieves when we're hurting each other, when we're hurting ourselves, when when we're falling into miseries that evil brings. So it's it was just about grieving and mercy. That's so funny that you mentioned that. And great insights. Um, because the Lord in the Bible is written according to our, our perception, our appearance, as you said. And well, don't you just regret making me is very much the kind of way a kid would talk. I mean, my, my daughter will often catastrophize. Like if, if we can't find something, she'll say, that means we can never find it. She's five, you know, so we, we can never find it or, or if we'll never have this again. So I could just totally imagine a kid saying, oh, well, you're just sad you made me even, yeah. um, but that's not the truth anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But it's right. But it's, you don't love me anymore. But it's not the truth. The truth is a little more emotionally complex. Yeah. Than that. Any, any other thoughts? Um, Jonathan, you're you're on mute. I just had the thought that um, the uh, yeah, divine emotions are complicated. I, I like the fact that the story does suggest a kind of humanness that Swedenborg says is is important uh, as a stepping stone to greater understanding. Uh, but just having that kind of, oh, I blew it, is much more of a human experience than than the way the divine uh, does things. And the more I go along, it's hard to put into words, but I just, I think the Lord is so absolutely thrilled uh, with all of us. Just, just like, uh, oh, this is his, he does not want the party to stop. That That's one idea that Swedenborg gets very adamant about. Is it any idea that the human race is going to come to an end or anything like that? No, 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 no. This is what we're doing. This is the thing. This is the whole reason for the universe. Uh, so the Lord loves what's going on and, and uh, no, no regrets. It's karma, isn't it? I was muted. Just like I was like, Jonathan, you're muted. And then I was muted. What a cool image, though, of God getting just pumped up that we are what we are. Let's let's see if we can squeeze another one in here. This is from Gilardo Rua. Asks, I mean, to some, knowing all the Swedenborg stuff about heaven may seem like your eyes may have been opened. So in your life, have you met or heard of someone whose eyes were opened by the Lord? Chelsea, what do you think? Uh, well, what comes to mind with this question is our earlier conversation that I've carried through this whole show now about the senses, the unseen senses. And I was thinking about this because uh, have I met or heard someone whose eyes were opened by the Lord? And I definitely think Swedenborg himself writes that he he was given that like all access pass for a very particular purpose. Um even though Swedenborg himself writes that that is actually sort of our in full alignment, we'd have that kind of open communication with angels and spirits. Um, and that that ability is growing or expanding as, as sort of our uh, minds become more enlightened and reconnected to love in this world. But, but I think it's going to be more than sight. You know, I think I don't hear as often of people whose spiritual eyes have been opened, but I feel like I, on a regular basis, I'm in touch with people whose ears and noses and mouths and touch have been opened um, in kind of the perception way that uh, that Jonathan was talking about in terms of like 
this sense of real connection, you know, you know, true deep sense of real connection with angels and, and the Lord's support and, and sort of divine, like perception in that way, knowing how to show up for other people, how to help them in their spiritual journey, um, knowing sort of the right words and things to touch and ideas to offer, like all of that is come from heaven and from the Lord. Um, and I think even as collectively, we're getting better at that uh, in, in how we support people and like, um, different kinds of therapeutic methodologies and stuff, trauma healing, all that kind of stuff. There's just so, so it's fun to think about the different ways that our spiritual senses are opening. Um, and the one other thought is that uh, mostly I'm, I've heard from a lot of people and have experienced the kind of see, spiritual seeing happening in dreams, you know, having loved ones appear in dreams and getting to have that kind of connection, which I think is kind of the closest way we most easily get it because when our physical senses are quieted, our spiritual senses can get more alert. And that happens just most naturally when we're physically asleep and we can remember our dreams um, and, and can have actual spiritual interactions um, with people sometimes that way. Uh, and so, yeah, interesting thing to contemplate. Good question. Even little children, I think the Psalms say that out of the mouth of babes and sucklings and so on, you've perfected praise. Uh, I think a lot of people can uh, go into that for a moment where something comes over them and they're kind of testifying and they're telling the truth. And usually there's some use to it, counseling session or, or whatever. So, you know, you hear something that's so, so true and so, so beautiful. And, and uh, so I think some people for Swedenborg, as you say, like a, a full backstage pass, but uh, for some people, I think you just sort of go in, you, you go out, you go in, you go out and, and people have these, these states uh, come and go, but it's fun to sort of recognize, Oh, I think heaven, he heaven was in, in what you just said. Uh, I think, and I think this is kind of the level is creeping up over time in a nice way. Mm, that's beautiful too. I, uh, I was going to say something about children too. I've heard about children who who say that they're hearing from their grandma that they never met or something like that. Um, I do have several friends who with the sense of sight, see angels in the corner of the rooms or see they're talking with somebody and they can see their father who just passed away right behind them or something like that. I mean, I, I don't have that kind of experience, but I, I know people who do have some kind of vision uh, are, who are experiencing some kind of vision of uh, loved ones, especially, or angelic presence or, or hellish presence too. Uh, just reporting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do know a few people who can actually see some things or hear some things from the spiritual realm, but like uh, Chelsea and I think Jonathan, you were indicating too, just to have your uh, your spiritual sight open by the Lord is when you you recognize, oh, I see how the Lord has led me, or I see that the Lord inspired me to do this, or inspired me not to do this, and that I'm definitely hearing from many people all the time. It's just any recognition that you recognize the Lord working in your life is spiritual sight. Your spiritual sight has been opened. Excellent. Thanks so much, everyone. That was great to get to, to sit, sit and listen and absorb that. And, um, you know, it's been a, it's been fun the whole time.
and we're, we're drawing to the end of our hour here. So we, what we want to do is make good on our initial promise that we were going to spend a little bit of time thinking about those we're thinking of uh, who are on the other side. So Karen is going to lead us now in what we're calling our thought bring presence section. Yes, this is um, our time to just think about and remember that all the people that we've loved that have passed on into the afterlife are, are still alive and still connected to us. And I'm going to read a quote from Swedenborg's Heaven and Hell 494. And this says, as soon as we arrive in the other life, we are all recognized by our friends and relatives and by people we have known in one way or another. I have heard many people who had just come from the world overjoyed to see their friends again and their friends overjoyed that they had arrived. So we're all going to have some wonderful reunions to look forward to. And here are some things from our live chat of people um, saying somebody they're thinking about um, who has passed on. Um, a couple that we had from last time that we had missed, but we, we included here, we had the cube, Michael thinking of his sister, Candace. My dear Candace is in the spiritual world now. She died of a brain aneurysm. We had Diane Hyde saying, please remember, and she has a, a lot of uh, loved ones she's thinking of, Forrest, Marion, Patricia, Jean, Ellie, Tracy, Alexander, Rascal, and Tommy. And last time, Cara was in the chat, and she was thinking of her mom, Sylvia. And she had said, my 97-year-old mom just graduated a couple of weeks ago. I love imagining what she's up to now. Tim had said, my father passed away in July of 2019. If it weren't for learning and incorporating the writings of Swedenborg into my life, I'd have had a much more difficult time processing his transition. And um, here's uh, the cube. I'm not sure if it's appearing on the screen a second time, but here he put it in the chat again today, Candace Podger McKesney. She was my sister on earth. She passed from a tragic brain aneurysm. Smiling Eyes is, is thinking, she says, I have a friend who has passed. And Rosemary is thinking of Hamilton and Ronnie and Justine is thinking of Jennifer Ford. So we're all thinking of those people with you, beautiful people who are now very alive in the afterlife and who will, you'll see again someday. Thank you. Yeah, just great to have that reminder that, that there, there's more to life even than this very vibrant and living life that we're in. As you saw briefly on the screen there, we actually have on our website, offtheleftei.com, a tribute wall where you can be posting, uh, you know, a little plaque, a virtual plaque in honor of people that that you love, and you and we also have one for in memory of. So there's a, an opportunity there to further let everyone know that we're we're still thinking of them or or people who are here right now. We that you cherish them. So we're we would be at the end of the show, but you may have heard we got generous support from everyone. So because of that, we are going to willingly subject ourselves to these humiliating games now. <laughs> and the very first um, game that we're gonna play is called Grading Swedenbot. So in this game, Grading Swedenbot, uh, we are, um, in the last time, you know, 
it's not it's not a judgment on Swedenbot. He tries very hard to he's trying to learn Swedenborg's theology, and so we've actually been teaching this AI uh, Swedenborg and Swedenborg's writings. And so then the Swedenbot tells us tries to you know emulate Swedenborg and. So what we do here is uh, we grade Swedenborg on his um, tender attempts at trying to be Swedenborg. And so we're going to get, see maybe a couple of these of Swedenborg's most recent, you know, submissions and we get to grade him letter grades, A, B, C, D, and F um, to, to help support him on his journey of, of really honing his skills of Swedenborg's theology. So what's the first one you have for us, Swedenborg? We can see from this that the Lord is constantly leading away from heaven. Oh, okay. what do you guys think? So, but just, just to like to drive this back home, like we filled this computer program with like all of Swedenborg's writings. So now it's trying to generate something it thinks Swedenborg would say out of them. And this one is like, you know, A for effort. It's got the Lord. It's got constantly, which Swedenborg loves to say, leading, um, but there's a directional error here that I just don't think we can give this a passing grade. You know, yeah, I, I'd say, I'd say we give it an F guys. <laughs> I agree. Total F. Total this F. is the, this is the opposite of, of everything the Lord is and does. And that's the, that's the most toxic advice you can give everyone. Anyone is that the Lord is leading you away from heaven. Right. Sorry, yeah. sweet. Well, as a, yeah, as an editor, I just feel like, a, you know, it's only two, two words away from being something accurate. <laughs> if you just change that away from to a two, it would be, yeah, it, he would get a much better grade. But It's all about the prepositions, isn't it? It's all about the it is. And that's, and that's true. That it is that, you know, yeah, the Lord is constantly leading us toward heaven. So that's, that's our teaching for you, Swedenbot. What's another one, Swedenbot? Do you have another one for us? Okay. What is good is a matter of love. And what is true is the very substance of our love. Hmm. Okay. Well, what is true is the very substance of our love. I think that's backwards. Yes. What it was good, good try because it's always about like something about the true and the good and the love, <laughs> but the substance and form. Yeah. Substance and form. Yes. But the love is the substance. And yeah. the truth is the form. So I think he's yeah. got that backwards, don't you think? Yeah, yes. the first phrase is definitely accurate. What is good is a matter of love. Uh, so so high marks for that. So I would say uh, uh, a maybe. C, even a, 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 a B, I don't know. It's not, it's not bad. What do you think? Let's do this. Let's go. Let's go C. I mean, let's. All right. We're kind graders. Be. All right. C. I think so. And. And we have this bias because we flunked the other one. It's like, no, you, you're pretty close. Yeah. We're, we're encouraging it's not, you. And the reason, it's, not, it's not damaging. No, it's, it's just not dangerously wrong. It's not, yeah. there's not, it's not a good versus evil thing. It's just a truth versus falsity. It's a, a falsity that's not from evil. Because what it's telling you will still lead you to heaven. To, to think yeah. that what's true is a substance that you follow that, you'll still go to heaven. Um, you just won't understand how you actually got there. Yeah, right. Eventually, you'll learn it's all about love. So if you if you changed substance to form, it would be accurate. Here again, it's only like one word off of something that would be a lot more right. true. What is okay. true is the form of our love. 
Yeah. So I hope you're listening, Sweden Bot. This is really good advice. So we'll hear more from him next time. Thank you, Sweden Bot. Okay. Let's let's play our next game. Um, and you know, we're just having fun here, but hopefully you can see that this is helping dig into the nature of Swedenborg's message and what distinguishes it from a mishmash of words that is close yes. to it. Uh, the next game that we're going to play is called Guess That Swedenborg Phrase. Yay. All right. So in this game, here is a real quote from the real Swedenborg that our panel has to guess. And everyone's going to take turns guessing a letter. And if you guess a correct consonant, you get five points for each correct consonant. If you guess a correct vowel, you get one point for each correct vowel. And then every turn, you have a chance to try to guess the whole phrase. And if you do guess it, you get 25 points. But if you guess it wrong, then you're out of the game. So you got to save those guesses for when you're feeling pretty sure. And so I, uh, let's see, I guess we start with Curtis. So Curtis. I'm going to, I'd like to guess C. There is a C. Ding, ding, ding. All right. Do you want to guess it, Curtis? Yes. (laughs) No, I don't want to. All right. So Chelsea. Um, R. Yes, there is an R. I just won. So we still have ways to go. I'm guessing it. Jonathan. Okay. I would like to guess a T. Yes, there are at least two T's. Oh, there's three T's. Woo. Good one. Good one. All right, Cara. F as in Frank. F, there is an F. There is one F. Okay, but still a lot to go. Curtis, another guess? Well, we've got to go with H. Got a cup, maybe three H's? Three H's. Oh, I was hoping it was all H's, but. (laughs) No, no such luck. All right. Chelsea. Um, L? There, yes, there are three L's. Maybe wow. four, four L's. Four L's. All right. Good one. And Kara? Um, v. There is a V. One V. All right. Well, I think now if, if that score has updated, uh, Curtis is standing at 20 points, Chelsea at 25, Jonathan at 15, and Kara at five. So we're on our way. All right, Curtis, get us going. Uh, o. Yes, there is a letter O, one O. Yeah. This All right. does not give up its letters easily. Nope. <laughs> I'm going to say N. Yep, there are, what, three N's or two? Two N's. Three, three, I think, yeah. Oh, three, three N's, yes, good one. All right, Jonathan? The letter S. Yes, I think there might be four S's. Woo. Woo. All right, the board is filling up a little bit now. Cara, what do you think? G. There are two G's. Woo. 
Okay, is it starting to starting to look like some actual words now? <laughs> so we've got Curtis 21, Chelsea 40, Jonathan 35, Cara 20. So Curtis, what do you guess? Yeah. Um, oh, 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 oh. Oh, I know it, I think. Go ahead, Curtis. So I've got one chance here. Um, <laughs> okay, so I'm going to do uh, E. Oh, there's a lot of E's. That was a good one. <laughs> okay, you're going to get it. I know you are. <laughs> okay, I, I'd like to solve. Do I have a chance to solve? Yes. The speech of heavenly angels is like a gentle stream. Got it. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. You got it. That is from Heaven and Hell 241. And it's it's a very cool concept. We had a show about how spirits talk, how angels talk, and there's different kinds of talking on the different levels of the spiritual world and the different levels of heaven. And the speech of heavenly angels is very gentle and maybe you know, what, what can we say about the speech of heavenly angels, some characteristics of that? Well, I think it makes me think of the uh, sort of Hawaiian or something, a lot of vowels. And, you know, I think it's not as sort of guttural or harsh or, or something that that's the way I think of it when he says it's like a gentle stream. It makes me think of um, the question we had earlier about the person wanting to feel connected to their daughter and why haven't they experienced that communication? And, um, and I think of that like gentle stream is like maybe a really gently burbling brook. Like you could kind of ignore it, but it's kind of going on there, you know, in the background, like, or like a little baby cooing or something like uh, it's gentle, but there's, it's a stream. Like it's almost like that communication is always happening. We can just like get quiet enough that we can hear it is maybe, maybe that's like encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, it's uh, got less, consonant sounds less hard sounds oohs and ahs and uh um and right it doesn't uh, divide up into such um little boxy things like words that we have in the on the earthly level so it is more more flowy <laughs> and very attached to feelings um flowing along with feelings so definitely oh. wonderful i'd love to hear that <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, really. You think I, I'd like a, a podcast by a couple of angels. Fall <laughs> asleep too. Cool. Well, thanks, Karen, and great, great quote selection. Swedenbot couldn't have spit that one out because it's <laughs> it's a, a rare that he uses that like that comparison, but but so that I was just scratching my head of what is what's gonna emerge from these boxes? It's not goodness and truth. It's no. so wonderful. Okay, hey, let's move to our last game. So we've got good, good and ample time for it. Uh, our final game, a fan favorite, is going to be the following. Okay, the elevator pitch. Uh, the way this works is we're gonna see the wheel of doom, select one of us and then select a topic and whichever of it us gets selected has one minute and one minute only to convince an imaginary person who stepped onto an elevator that this con what this concept is and why it matters. So let's see who gets to be the star of this game. Hey, like I've, uh, did we have faces last time? That's wonderful. Chelsea! Oh my gosh. <laughs> that means Chelsea has got twice in a row to be the star of this game. 
And the topic is Chelsea's favorite topic, God's <laughs> wrath. <laughs> um, okay, so we are going to set our timer, and I'm going to count you in. Uh, are you ready, Chelsea? I am ready, I think. Okay, okay. three, two, one, you're on the elevator. All right, so you may have heard about, you maybe read this thing called the Bible, and maybe you've heard that God's wrath is this intense, scary thing um, that's mentioned in lots of places. And But also, the Bible talks about the Lord being everlasting love. And so really, all of this, all that like anger and love and passion, it's all because the Lord is divine love itself, which wants nothing but the salvation of the whole human race. And so that anger is really, it's not an anger to do harm. It's this passion for protection and to give um, divine enlightenment to save us from our own evils, from the misguided ways of thinking. So the Lord wants to come and save you from the ways that you're getting you know, into a harmful way of being for yourself. And so the Lord is willing to just pull out all the stops, you know, bow down the heavens and reach to save you from, from what could hurt you and others. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I let, well, I, I don't good. mind that. Divine wrath doesn't sound so bad. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, cool. Really, really cool. To he, that's a really important understanding of that. It's not just, Oh, God doesn't have anything. God does have this, these powerful emotions, but that, they're always pointed in this direction of, of love and saving and, and uh, yeah, and res- rescuing, rescuing. Rescue, and that right. Swedenborg says that a lion, for instance, can have a positive or negative symbolism. A fierce lion can be the negative, like hell trying to <laughs> destroy you or selfishness. But a positive lion, like God is the lion, is trying to rescue you, you know, with all that power and everything. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> Nice. Awesome. Thank you, everyone, for participating in those games. And thank you to all of our uh, donors who made tonight, who made those games possible. We had a total of $1,199 raised uh, tonight <laughs> from 22 donors, nine of whom are brand new donors. Thank you so much, oh, everybody. I think that's a record. That's got to be a fantastic. record. It's a record by, by a good little margin. Um, so thanks, everyone. Looking forward to breaking it next time. Um, yeah. But this this has been super uh, affirming and exciting to, to think about people really wanting to get Swedenborg's message out there. So thanks to everybody. There's more, more content ahead. We'll have new content on this channel next Monday. Um, search Inside Off the Left Eye wherever you get your podcasts. Go to offtheleftye.com. We, we have never-ending um, places where we want to talk about the ideas in Swedenborg's writings. We hope you'll join us there. Thanks to the whole panel. Um, this has really been wonderful to get to hear from you all. And um, any any closing thoughts um, from from everyone? Uh, let's just go in the same order that we started. So, Cara, h- how are you feeling? I am really touched and humbled by how many people wanted to donate to what we're doing here. Um, it's always a delightful time to spend with you on these evenings. And thanks so much for your questions and your interest. And uh, blessings to all of you. Yeah, thanks so much, everybody. This was so great. And uh, again, I just, Cara said it, I'm blown away by the support. And I just love that that means that 
you know, these, these ideas that have helped me so much in my life are going to be able to get out there and help more and more people. So thanks. What does everybody talk about when they're not talking about this? I don't understand it. Like this is the greatest stuff to talk about. It just fills me with joy. Thanks everybody. (laughs) Thank you so much, everybody. We are going to use those very generous donations to keep this, these shows going as best we can and work hard to make them. And thank you for your wonderful questions, your insightful questions and uh, all the comments you leave on social media. We really appreciate you. Thank you. All right, that's it for tonight. I hope that you take some of these concepts and uh, they, they brighten your evening or, or morning, wherever you are, and, uh, and you, you take them out confident that they can uh, help make the world a more fun place to be in. So love to you all. See you soon. Thank you. <laughs>